A warm welcome to those of you joining us for this, the first Unite Students Higher Education podcast, Accommodation Matters. I'm Darren Ellis, the Higher Education Engagement Director at Unite Students. For those of you who don't know, we're the UK's largest provider of purpose-built student accommodation. We house 74,000 students across 177 properties in 27 leading university towns and cities. With me today, I have Ian Jones, Deputy Director of Accommodation and Commercial Services at the University of Sheffield, Nick Hillman, Director of HEPI, Robert Garnish, Director of Commercial Services at the University of Glasgow, and Steph Cam, who is our Head of Health and Safety here at Unite Students. It's great to have you all here. Thank you very much for joining me. Today, we're going to be discussing the imminent start of the academic year in a year really like no other. Safety is going to be at the forefront of everyone's minds as students return to university or indeed go for the first time. So that's going to be the key discussion topic today. I just want to reassure everyone that we are observing social distancing on this podcast by recording this virtually from our own homes or offices. Without any further ado, can I please ask everyone just to introduce themselves so uh, people can uh, recognise the voices. Could I start with Nick, please? Oh, good morning, everyone. Uh, Nick Hillman here from HEPI, the Higher Education Policy Institute. It's a great pleasure to be here. Thank you, Nick. Uh, Steph? Morning, everyone. My name's Steph Cam. I'm the Head of Health and Safety at Unite Students. Uh, Robert? Thanks, Darren. Good morning, everyone. Robert Garnish from the University of Glasgow. And finally, Ian? Hi, everyone. I'm Ian. I'm from University of Sheffield Accommodation and Commercial Services. Thank you very much. Let's start, if we may, with the most recent figures from UCAS, which certainly seem to suggest that applicants aren't being put off coming to university this year. And indeed, many universities are looking at an unusually large cohort of domestic students. Our own research showed that students were very keen to attend physically. Of course, uh, the guidance, however, continues to change as we adapt to the progress of the disease. So our first question today is, what is your own take on how things are going to pan out this academic year, particularly first in terms of UK student recruitment and arrivals? And if I could address this first to Nick, please. Well, uh, it's a very good question, um, but you know there are good reasons why the numbers are so healthy this year. Um, first of all, the appetite for learning in countries around the world, but perhaps particularly uh, in the UK is immense. You know, when this year's uh, 18, 19, 20 year olds were seven and eight, um, academics from the Millennium Cohort Study went and said to their mothers, would you like your child to go to university? And 97% of them said they did. So so the first thing is there's just an underlying huge uh, appetite for education. And then on top of that, this year in particular, the alternatives to education are woeful. You know, who would uh, have a gap year this year? You can't strap on a backpack and go traveling around uh, Asia. Uh, And equally, it'll be much harder than normal to get an interesting job uh, in your gap year. So actually, there's really good reasons why people want to go to higher education this year. And hopefully the labor market will be in a better place um, when they come out the other side. Of, of course, university, in many respects, might not be as good in the early months. Let's, let's be honest about that, as sometimes. But the alternatives to university also are nothing like as good as normal. Um, so I'm not, I'm not completely surprised that more people want to go to university this year. 
and uh, you know they'll need more support than ever. Uh, but I think, in general, it reflects something really positive about our society. Thank you, Nick. Um, let's hear from Robert on this. What are what are you noticing? So yes, I, I would absolutely agree with that. I think the challenges this year for young people leaving schools and colleges is that there are lots of doors which are closed to them because of the situation we find ourselves in. But isn't it great that so many people are, are considering pursuing their career through uh, higher education? For ourselves in, in, in Glasgow, I would say we're, we're cautiously optimistic about the year ahead. Certainly the, the applications for places and indeed for places in, in student accommodation have been far higher than we would have expected, perhaps if you'd asked the same question in, in, in April or early May. And that's a really good sign. That's a good quality problem to to, to have. Um, but I think you're right. This year, uh, getting people, giving people the opportunity to get their head down, to get some some study, to at the same time be able to have a great experience on campus. Yes, it will be a different experience from perhaps what people might have expected. But we would still absolutely expect that people can have a great time coming to university, whether that's uh, meeting people from a distance initially. Um, and experiencing all that the, the, the various universities and cities has to have to offer, that's got to be a, 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 a welcome prospect for people. I think, particularly after the last few months. Thank you, Robert. And, and, and Ian, is that is that something that uh, you would echo also? Yeah, very similar story at Sheffield. Um, our intake of home undergrads is up several hundred this year, despite the you know the demographic dip that we're in the middle of at the moment. Um, we have bizarrely benefited from the um, confusion, shall I say, around A-levels and grades, et cetera, um, having those extra grades come in through the, the teacher-assessed grades being uh, confirmed has really pushed a lot more students in. And the, the information we're getting is that they're very keen to come. They're still really excited about the opportunity. They're willing to come to campus and would prefer to. We were really worried that there might be more deferrals because of this lack of student experience. But I think Nick's, Nick's absolutely right. Um, the options not to come to university don't look particularly attractive. So deferrals are up slightly, but nowhere near where we thought they might be. Um, and the feedback we've had, we did a little pre-arrival survey, has been that students are very comfortable with the idea of coming to university, of sharing social spaces, and being around uh, other people within their flat. As an example, 88% comfortable to share um, cafes, 70% comfortable to share bars, 79% social space. Um, so I don't think there's a great deal of worry about the the risk. There is a worry that it might not be as good an experience though. Yes. And, and in terms of that experience, um, and I'm thinking this is very much about that arrivals process and, and that sort of first impression uh, or for those who are perhaps arriving for the first time and also returners who will experience something different, you know, differently. Um, how are you thinking about that arrivals experience and, and making sure that students can settle in, uh, really quickly? And if I could start, uh, if I could ask Robert that question first, please. So this is something that, that we've spent a lot of time thinking about. Um, uh, you, you, whilst I don't think any of us have, have had idle hands over the course of the last six months, Actually, what uh, some of the working remotely has afforded us to do is, is a bit of time and space to get together uh, remotely with people and to, to start thinking about how we might plan for exactly these sorts of uh, occasions. And whilst the, the focus is around managing the process safely, so our, for example, check-in weekend uh, will not be like check-in weekends of, of days gone by. We're, we're going to see a check-in two weeks, maybe three weeks. 
um, booked slots, time slots, um, really, really trying to manage that process as safely and securely as we can. The key, though, for us has been about uh, putting together a program of activity, both uh, online and also doing what we can to ensure that there's something we can do uh, outdoors. Uh, many of you will know uh, that uh, fabulous city that Glasgow is, it's not known for its summer sunshine or its, <laughs> its autumn sunshine. But, but we have got plans for an outdoor freshers event that will bring people together in a distanced and managed way. Uh, we've got lots of uh, compostable rain ponchos to keep people dry if it does decide to rain. But so far, the forecast is looking good for next week. And that will enable us to bring people together at a distance and ensure that they can still have some sort of uh, mechanisms through which they can make connections with clubs and societies and particularly the student unions who with whom we've worked with really, really closely to ensure that's right. I think the other thing I would I would say is we've we've done a lot to try and keep regular contact with students and and I think by proxy with their parents over the course of the last few months. Uh, we've written to them on regular occasions to keep them updated on current guidance, current expectations, what to expect, what to see. Um, and I think that has really helped to to reassure and to help ensure that people feel confident and comfortable about coming. Thank you, Robert. And and Steph, turning to to you, um, how how have uh, Unite thought about that uh, pre-arrival, uh, actual check-in experience, helping students to settle in quickly uh, and feel at home? So we've put a lot of measures in place. Um, so firstly, we've really focused on making sure that any of the physical measures that we've got in place in the properties um, are welcoming. They're not too, they don't create too much of a hostile environment. Um, so they're really part of the, the look and feel of, of the properties people arrive. Um, we will have our student ambassadors who are um, se selected students who are able to um, welcome people as they arrive and really make them feel at home. Um, obviously, everything is going to fit, look and feel slightly different. So it's, again, having that um, that friendly face available as, as people arrive at site. Um, we've also um, made sure that we, we've got our welfare provision available for people and really communicated that out to our students so that they know uh, that they can really reach out um, to our teams if needed, um, if they're feeling that they need to chat or, or just have some reassurance when they arrive on site. Um, but it really is around that, trying to create as normal and as a, an environment as possible, while m still making it really clear and obvious that we take their safety seriously and that there are measures in place to protect people. Lovely. Thank you, Steph. Uh, Ian, what, how are you preparing for that uh, critical sort of arrival and check-in check experience? Lots of similar things. We're working over five days rather than weeks, but that's up from the two days. Uh, again, pre-booked slots. We've moved key collection away from a single point and that big welcome to be local to blocks, scanning people in, limiting numbers. Um, the one thing that hasn't gone down too well is we have asked people to only come with one parent or at least only bring one parent to help unload. Um, <laughs> that hasn't been popular. A lot of students coming back saying, you know, how can I cope with not saying goodbye to mum and dad at the same time? Um, we're not saying don't bring them. We're just saying try to avoid having them both help you move in and keep those numbers down. Yeah. Um, I think the key issue for us is really, as Steph said, it's around that that welfare provision. How are we going to introduce res mentors, uh, which is part of our residence life program, to the students in their flats? How are we going to get those students together? And we're ready for a, what may well be a slightly higher welfare load. We always have students that you know may struggle to make friends, adapt, fit in. That could be much, much harder this year, given the restrictions around meeting new people and being able to to get together and find the right people to get on with. 
Yeah, I mean, we've um, at United found a similar thing with uh, asking peer, you know, only one parent to arrive and limited amount of time for uh, for drop off and so on. Um, it, it's certainly been an interesting, uh, interesting uh, first period uh, check in period because, uh, uh, you know, as we all know, we already have across the country, uh, although we've got different tenancy start dates, thousands of students have already started to turn up, uh, and we're noticing that also. Um, in terms of that res life model. And in terms of that support and the challenges it's going to present, uh, uh, which you've touched on, Ian, Robert, is there anything you're thinking about in particular uh, to, to, to help uh, support on that welfare and mental health side? Yes, I think we're very conscious that, that this could be a big year in, in that space. Um, it, it is about understanding the, the guidelines uh, and how they are ever changing and, and how we think we we work within them to provide the right mechanisms for people to make those connections. So for as long as we can continue to do so, we're looking to make good use of outdoor space uh, where we can invite the unions, we can invite um, the, 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 the living support advisors to uh, be available to make a kind of personal contact from a distance as best they can. Um, as I say, it's also about putting together a, an online program. We found that during the, the pandemic and the lockdown itself, actually the, the move across to online provision of services for those students we had remaining in our residences, we had both undergraduate and postgraduate remaining who, who either were planning to stay over the summer or perhaps couldn't travel home uh, over the summer and therefore stayed with us. We actually found the shift across to online provision for those individuals worked really well. And so we've learned from that and, and sought to kind of adapt that and, and, and uh, make it fit for purpose for what will be a obviously a far greater cohort of, of, of people as we go into the new year. And, and uh, uh, it's a really interesting point around the fact that actually, you know, we've uh, universities have been open about uh, purpose built you know, student providers like ourselves, we've been open. We've had plenty of students living with us over the course of the summer and we've been learning all the time. Um, to, to you, Ian, and to you, Steph, but starting with Ian, what have been the learns for you over the summer that you've now incorporated in your thinking for the, this new intake? I think the big shock for us was just how willing to stay engaged students were once we'd moved online. Um, and I know we, we were running activities and events through the ResLife programme online immediately after lockdown and found we had significant numbers of students who had gone home still coming back and joining in because they were in they were part of a community that they'd built and they wanted to stay part of that completely agree with robert the move over to the online was actually much more straightforward and much more successful than we thought it might be so we've had a really good opportunity to learn from that and push that into developing uh, programs for next year the other thing we found incredibly useful is there's some great support from other universities around the world and other ResLife professionals. It's a real family. Uh, everybody's very supportive. Everybody's willing to share ideas. And there's a couple of great Facebook groups where you've got people on a daily basis coming saying, yeah, this is what we're doing. This is what's worked really well. Um, and that's been hugely valuable for us. Yeah, um, so I'd echo absolutely that, you know, the resilience of our, our teams has been absolutely incredible and, and it really has allowed us to adapt and flex and, and work differently. Um, I'd say in terms of our students, um, one of the big learnings is that we really need to uh, focus on the human side of things. Um, it's very easy for us, especially sometimes in the safety field, to put, you know, measures in place. Um, thinking we're doing the right thing when actually if you look at people's behavior and how they react and respond to situations even things like social distancing markers measures 
um, you know, you need to you need to put things in place that that don't um, inhibit um, normal ways of, work, of working and living. Um, so we're really trying to be adaptable and listen and um, feedback on how people are finding things constantly. Um, thank, thanks, Steph. Darren, and, Darren can I just, yeah, can I just course, chip yeah, in please. there? Listening to people's responses um, reinforces something I've heard from every university I've spoken to over the summer, which is in some ways this crisis is bringing out the best in people. Um, staff are working their socks off to get campuses ready for the new academic year. And you hinted at this a moment ago, students who've stayed in their accommodation uh, over the summer have also acted very responsibly. I've not seen any um, examples of the opposite of that. I'm, I'm sure when lots of new students arrive at the beginning of the academic year, not everything will go right, but, but most people are trying to do the right thing. Um, and one thing I think that students who may need extra help uh, you know, could be well advised to do is is to reach out to the university, make sure their university and their accommodation providers know that they may need extra support. Sometimes students are reluctant to do that before they reach university because they think they'll lose their place or something. Um, but some students, new students, will arrive knowing what their needs are, and the university won't always always know that. So I would encourage new students to to you know let their university know if they have particular needs and to start those conversations early because what none of us want to see is a higher dropout rate this year no and and actually just just uh, you are right uh, nick we we've definitely you know we've had thousands of students stay with us and they have you know in large part the vast majority behaved impeccably there's been a lot of um, commentary uh, coming out of america principally but as students arrive into cities, there will be uh, an approach that universities and community, you know, universities can take in the way they work with students and communities. Um, and what is what is your message? It, um, and I'm going to direct this to Robert really first. What is your message to students arriving uh, about how they should conduct themselves and fit into their local community? Yeah, that's that's really valid, and I think we're starting to see uh, the the early signs emerging from from institutions which have have returned already. I guess two two points we've been making to to, to our students. Um, firstly, your experience will be different. I think it's really important we do acknowledge that whilst we want to get as close to normality as we can, we have to be honest and say that it will be different. But that doesn't mean it can't be less fun or less engaging. And as we all know, particularly if we've been through through university ourselves. Um, you know, freshers make friends that will stay with you for the rest of your life. And that's that's really important. But secondly, and perhaps critically, we we really do ask everyone to adhere to the safety guidance, particularly in, in residences. Uh, all the information we believe is, is clearly outlined. There's a, a range of ways in which we've communicated that, whether it's through, through signage uh, that is consistent with the signage on the campus. Um, even in our third party providers that we work with, they're using exactly the same signage as, as we are on the campus. Uh, through through video material, um, and and we we want to ensure that if people have concerns or questions that they ask us. I think to to Nick's point, keep in touch with us, ask us the questions, and the helpers who are around both on campus in, and and through social media channels, we we can answer those questions for you. But I guess the the overarching message uh, uh, over the top of that is that wherever possible, don't worry. You know, universities are working really hard to try and ensure that all students, whether they start online or they start in person, have got the resources they need to start their studies. 
And if they can't travel immediately or they, they haven't got a visa, they've not been able to process their visa, particularly international students, you know, keep in touch with us and we will support you to ensure that you can join us as soon as it's possible. Thank you. And, and that is actually a, a very nice segue into something that I was going to raise anyway, which is, of course, you know, the subject of international students. Uh, we've talked a lot about UK students, but um, I, I, and I'd like to direct this question really to Nick firstly. What is your prediction, <laughs> not an easy task, uh, in terms of uh, the arrivals of internationals this year? Uh, and, and by this year, I mean, you know, uh, in September, October, but even later, in the academic year as well. What is your sense of how that's uh, progressing at the moment? I think it's much, much harder to read the situation with international students. Um, There are some things we know. So, for example, the really gruesome numbers that people were discussing uh, two or three months ago, you know, sort of 80% drop off in international student numbers do not seem to be uh, reasonable. Um, it, it, you know, if you talk to universities, uh, uh, as we all do, they they will tell you that their numbers are down nothing like as much as that. But they won't know with great certainty how many international students they will have until people turn up or don't turn up. So there's a lot less certainty around international students than uh, domestic students. But you know, a lot of the same arguments apply. Uh, The crisis is hitting the whole world and people who've registered to come to the UK and study here, uh, their alternatives, wherever they are in the world, are less good than normal. So some of the reasons as to why they want to come and study in the UK you know, absolutely continue to apply. I think one thing uh, I'm hearing a lot is that um, if international students feel all the learning is to be online, and of course that's not the case, but if they believe all the learning will be online, then there's much less incentive to travel halfway around the world, pay accommodation and fees because for an experience they, they won't be that different than staying at home and and doing it all online. So, uh, you know, face-to-face elements, socially distanced, safely done, are, are particularly important to international students, as are travel arrangements. You know, uh, there are some challenges in terms of getting flight tickets to get over to the UK. And I know universities are doing their utmost to, to make that as easy for people people as possible. In terms of, you know, if you take Sheffield and Glasgow as two fantastically attractive destinations for international city, uh, international students and uh, universities who recruit, who recruit strongly in that international market, what are you seeing, Ian? What's your reflections on international student arrivals this year, even at this early stage? Uh, well, they're certainly still keen. Um, our applications for a university place at undergrad and postgrad level from international students has gone up again. Um, so they still like to come. It really is that question of can they make it? Um, at what point can they get over? China is our biggest market. It's very difficult to get flights over from China at the moment. We are looking at chartering flights potentially to try and uh, allow that to happen. And one of the things we've done in response to the difficulty is push back our postgrad start dates to late October. What that means for me is my applications for accommodation are down about 40% on postgrads, um, but we're effectively six weeks late in cycle. So it's very difficult to compare year on year. So Nick's right. Um, having any degree of certainty about postgrad numbers particularly will be very difficult until when we're well into October. Um, but yeah, they're definitely keen to get here if they can. Okay, thank you, Ian. And, and Robert, is, uh, is that something that you would uh, also echo? Is that what you're seeing in Glasgow? 
Yes, absolutely. Um, so we, we've had a, a steady stream of international students arriving already, and some of them have come significantly earlier than they would otherwise have done. We're not charging anyone who's coming coming early to try and encourage them to, to, to come and make it as easy for them as possible. But I, I would agree with both uh, Nick, Andy, and you know there is a, a huge degree of uncertainty over what those numbers will look like when, when it all comes out in the wash. But I think the key for universities is about making it as easy as possible for people to transition just as soon as they're able to do so. And that might be about charter flights. It might be about seats on, on commercial flights. It might be about the program you put in place to support people through that, that isolation, that quarantine period when they arrive as, as it stands at the moment. But it's, it's about making sure that, that, that people feel that we will do all we can. You know, much like Sheffield, we, we've delayed some of our PG um, program start dates to November and to January. So we're almost going to get a kind of second, second bite at the, at, at the cherry. Um, but but that's the right thing to do to ensure that we can uh, match that desire that uh, that that, that uh, Nick described that that people really are keen that they want to come if they can. Thank you. And and Nick, I mean, just in terms of the the fundamentals, if you like, for the international market, um, uh, is it your reflection that? Uh, just like the UK market with strong participation rates and an improving 18-year-old demographic, do you think that once we are uh, past uh, this uh, pandemic or uh, uh, at least have it more under control, that, that international student numbers you know, are fundamentally strong uh, for the future? Well, I don't want to sound naive, but but I, in short, I do agree with that. I mean, all the modelling from people like the British Council suggests the um, increase we've seen in past years of people crossing boundaries to acquire higher education will continue. And there are good reasons for that. Um, you know, people want to learn in English. They want to experience a different culture. It makes them much more employable when they go back home. Um, I think the one caveat to it is it does depend a bit on how severe the global recession uh, after the pandemic is. Because, of course, you do need significant disposable income to move to a different country uh, and live there and pay the fees. Um, and, of course, EU fees will be going up as well from next year. So uh, I think there is quite an important caveat there. But equally, um, it's a truly competitive global marketplace, isn't it? And one of the things that we've seen, for example, is rising tension between the US and China and Australia and China. Uh, and actually, in some respects, the UK has benefited from that. But we do need to look at the, you know, what's going on in other countries too. And we've, uh, I think you've, well, everyone sort of touched upon the the communication that's been needed with students, UK and international. And just you, you've talked there, everyone very eloquently about, you know, um, the, the, the international students are still in many cases deciding, you know, UK students it, and themselves are looking at changing guidance and, and, and last minute changes potentially to the offer. What, what do you think are the important messages and reassurance that universities and, and indeed accommodation providers could give to uh, reassure both parents and students in advance of this uh, in, uh, next academic year? Uh, can I start uh, with with uh, Ian on that? Um, I, th I think it's about repeating the message again and again. We're doing everything we can. The precautions are in place uh, from the very mundane sanitizer at the entrance to blocks. And we've given out free hand soap to everybody with a little message on you know, about stay safe, wash your hands, etc. Um, that we're doing everything within the university to ensure social distancing, etc. 
also telling students that they need to play their part, um, that they need to be following guidelines, understanding what's going on, um, and doing their best. We're going to rely on social pressure, I think, in a lot of cases for students to get other students around them to follow guidelines, potentially. Uh, we've had a lot of discussion around, um, should we be looking to take disciplinary action for people that aren't following social distancing guidelines? And I think as a university, and certainly within ResLife, we're very reluctant to do that, unless we've got a lot of antisocial behaviour being reported to us. But I'm sure we will get calls from uh, you know people in the flat. I'm here, my next door neighbours had three different visitors in the last two hours. Um, you know, What are you going to do about it? That's going to be difficult getting the message across to students to say you need to be supporting the university as well is key um, we asked in the survey we did about have students got these messages and it was great 80 odd percent said yes we've got the message it's really reassuring it's been done really well and then 41 percent said but i can't actually remember what you said <laughs> and that's going to be the problem yeah yeah and 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 steph what uh, from your perspective, uh, what's the sort of uh, that point about sort of um, antisocial behaviour and that point about we're we're in this together um, uh, almost as a sort of community versus uh, being much stronger around disciplinary action or um, you know uh, anything to do with it the, the actual tenancy. What what is you know Unite's view on that? What's the what's the the path they would like to take as we enter the next academic year? Uh, for me and for Unite, it's absolutely about that joint commitment um, to each other so that we will look after students and, and you know, support keeping them safe. But equally, um, they need to keep themselves and the people they're living with safe as well as our um, employees. Um, we came up with a student home charter that we've um, sent out to our students, which really is that two-way commitment of what, what sort of behaviours we expect from the students coming to us, but equally what they can expect from us, um, just to really encourage that that um, joint effort towards this. Um, and again, as we've kind of mentioned, it's, it's that setting the tone. So I think those first few weeks will be really important um, so that students can see we're taking things seriously, but equally that we will react and respond um, to antisocial behaviour quickly. Um, so I think that really will set the tone for the rest of the academic year. Thanks, Steph. And, and Robert, any any other further comments on, on this particular point? I, I would echo most of what's been, been said already, so I won't, so won't repeat it. I think the, the, the important thing to recognise is, though, that things will be ever-changing. Um, I think that's been a good experience for, for higher education institutions. I think institutions which have perhaps historically been seen to be quite slow to react or perhaps quite cautious to react, actually we've had to learn to turn on a sixpence and, and therefore we will continue to do that as the guidance changes. You know, as, at the time of recording, as people will know, we've got enhanced restrictions in the Glasgow area around households. And so we've had to change our messaging for students literally within the last couple of days um, and, and making sure that that message gets out openly, transparently, consistently is really, really important. And that's the, that's the right way to do it in a very collaborative manner. Thank you. And and just uh, just I'd like to just finish with uh, one final thought from each of you, if I may. Uh, and that is if you could give your 18 year old self some advice before going to university this year and assuming, of course, that they would listen. Uh, what would that advice be? Uh, Nick, can I start with you on that? It would be it, that it's not all about the first weeks or even the first year of university. Uh, um, you know, I'm hoping 
that people who star university this year will be under these restrictions uh, for nothing like the whole of their three years of university. Um, there's a wonderful line in an Evelyn War novel where he says, you spend your your first year of university meeting new people and your last two years trying to stay away from some of the people you met in your first year. Um, and I wouldn't go that far, um, but I met some of my best friends in my first year of university. I wouldn't go that far, but you know, it's not all about the first year. If some things go wrong for you in the first year, don't worry. You know, don't worry. Uh, it doesn't mean your whole university experience uh, will go wrong. Thank you. Um, and Steph, what, what advice would you give to your 18-year-old self? Um, well, setting off to uh, University of Sheffield at 18, um, I mean, now in, in this um, th- these circumstances, I think um, I would embrace it, try and have a, a positive mindset uh, and, and um, just think of the stories that you can tell afterwards. That would be my advice. Thank you, Steph. Uh, Ian? Um, I don't know about myself. I wouldn't have listened to anything at that age. Um, <laughs> but I'm about to test this with my son as I, uh, I drop him off at North Court. Cardiff uh, in three weeks time I don't think my advice would be different this year than any other year and it's really be open to everything and be sensible maybe just a slight more emphasis on that be sensible this time around thank you Uh, Robert yeah I, I would say much the same get involved in everything you can always stop doing things later on but but get involved in as much as you possibly can to try stuff out be open minded do stuff you enjoy, do stuff you'll you'll have a lot of fun with. And those are the things that will help you make the memories that will will last the three, four years or longer that you might spend in higher education. Thank you. Um, I did just a, a few uh, brief reflections. I think what's been really interesting is, is just that reference to the fact that this year's experience will be different. It will be ever changing. But what I've heard is just this commitment, and Nick alluded to it at the beginning, this commitment from university staff from the sector really to work together to provide students with the the best possible experience and I, I think that's incredibly encouraging and, and typical of typical indeed of the of the sector over many years well that's all we've got time for today I really enjoyed chatting to everyone uh, I'd like to take this opportunity to say once again my thanks to Ian to Nick to Robert and to Steph for joining us when we return in October we'll be discussing transition to university with a new panel of invited guests Uh, until next time goodbye and thank you for listening